You are listening to Hashtag Authentic, a podcast for creatives with me, Sarah Tasker. This is episode five. How can we avoid falling into the comparison trap? And what can we use to measure our success if we're not comparing ourselves? Hello and thank you for joining me. It's just me this week talking to myself and of course to you about an issue that I know so many of us face from time to time, the comparison trap or as I sometimes call it comparisonitis. But before we dive into that I just quickly need to let you know that my online Instagram course the Insta Retreat is going to be back on sale tomorrow so if you're listening to this on the day it goes out tomorrow that's Thursday the 2nd of March the pre-sale will be open just for my mailing list subscribers. Spots are really limited and the last course sold out just through that pre-sale to subscribers. So if you want a place, it's really worth getting on my mailing list so you can grab one. To sign up and read more about the course, you just need to go to meandorla.co.uk and then click on the Insta Retreat in my sidebar. Okay, so let's get back to today's topic. So you know the quote, comparison is the thief of joy. We've all pinned it on Pinterest or liked it on Instagram at one time or another. And it's true. There is nothing like comparison to make us feel like all of our achievements count for nothing and that we're falling behind in the big race of life. Sometimes something that you felt quite good about can suddenly seem completely worthless when a bout of comparisonitis comes and takes you down. One of the hardest things I think about being an online entrepreneur or chasing your creative dreams is that fear. The fear that creeps in when your inbox goes quiet for an afternoon or when you've not had enough sleep or when a friend gets a really big break that you were kind of hoping would be yours. And it's that fear that whispers, what if you're not good enough or look how you're failing? And that is what makes most people give up. So I'm actually pretty good at not comparing myself, which believe me, nobody is more surprised than me about because generally being sorted is not my speciality but this is just one area where I seem to be fairly rational. So I thought I'd share with you my perspective and how I manage that kind of impulse to compare. First up I tell myself that there'll always be someone ahead because it never stops. You think that you'll feel better when you reach X amount of followers or gain so many likes or sales or a certain status, whatever, but believe me, you don't. There's always someone ahead and someone else snapping at your heels behind you. So we kind of have to stop waiting for the problem to go away. Secondly, when your measure of success depends on someone else's performance, you have no control over your own success. Think about it, if you're deciding whether you win or lose based on the opposite happening to somebody else, that's like a crazy Japanese game show formula. Why on earth are we putting our success and our happiness into the hands of someone else who doesn't even know about it? Maybe he doesn't even know that we exist. Thirdly, when you're watching the competition, you're not watching your audience. The best place to learn about what you should be doing, what content people want to see, what language will best communicate with your audience, what hashtags you could be using, 
or what trends you need to dive into or what questions you need to answer is to look at your audience. And so by audience, I mean customers or followers or potential customers or potential followers or readers, whatever. We all have limited time for our work and limited headspace and resources. And if you waste any of those resources or any of that time cyberstalking the competition and obsessing over what they do, you will totally lose touch with what your audience actually want. And related to this, I guess a note on copying, because I know it can seem so tempting when you see someone with a winning formula. It feels like if you just repeat what they do, you'll be winning too. And I think there's something in us that feels way less afraid of following somebody else's steps because then if it fails, we can say it was never really our strategy and therefore it's not really our fault. But if you're following in someone else's footsteps, then you will always be behind. The people who make it big online are innovators and they're trying new things. And ultimately, they're just doing what they are passionate about in the way that works for them. So it's great to be inspired by these people, but it's important to take that inspiration and go away and create our own paths to success. Copying is like comparisonitis turned malignant and it will eat you up if you let it take hold. The fourth thing I always tell myself is that comparing feeds your inner critic. So your inner critic is that little voice in your head that says you're not good enough or this is never going to work or who do you think you are? And it's often pretty irrational, but it can sound really reasonable. So it says, look how much better so-and-so is doing than you. You're definitely falling behind. And it speaks to all of our kind of worst fears about ourselves. The inner critic tries to keep us safe because it's stopping us doing anything remotely scary. But therefore, it's also stopping us from doing anything brilliant too. Successful people have generally learned how to silence or to ignore or to just sweet talk their inner critic enough to get past it. But every time you go and obsess over somebody else's success, you are giving your inner critic fresh ammunition to keep shouting at you and to hold you back. I love um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Magic Lessons podcast. If you haven't listened to that, definitely do. It's amazing. And on that, in some of the episodes, she talks about how she notices a lot of creative people are sort of subconsciously seeking out the one person who will confirm their worst fears about themselves. So the one reviewer will say, you're a terrible actor, or this is the worst poetry I've ever read, or whatever. And I think obsessively checking in on what your peers are doing is similar to this. It's like a subconscious drive to remind yourself that you suck. Well, maybe it's not. Maybe we're checking in and hoping that the other person is kind of having a lousy month and that will make us feel better about our lousy month. But then what does it say about our self-belief if we need somebody else to be doing badly in order for us to feel good? Okay, so we know what not to do, but how can we channel those feelings and doubts into something more positive? Here's what I do. I let it motivate me. I let it inspire me. I let it inform me and then I let it go. Fear can be a real motivator for me. So the days when I feel like things are going well are the days when I tend to let myself slack off. In fact, maybe it's because I'm always tired, but I kind of rely on my adrenaline to spur me into action. So I'm not suggesting that you ever stop worrying about what other people do. I think that that would be unrealistic and ultimately probably impossible. But instead, if we can reframe that into something that inspires and informs us and spurs us into taking positive action in our life or our business or our creative pursuits, then it becomes less of a problem. Instead of obsessing over what someone else has, we need to try and use those feelings as a tool to analyse what it is that we want. What about the other person's success or talent is making us feel so uncomfortable? And how can we turn that into curiosity? 
I've read in so many self-help books and heard on so many podcasts that we cannot be curious and afraid at the same time. And it took me a while to realise just how true that is. Instead of spiralling because someone else's photographs look so much better than yours, maybe you can spend the afternoon watching photography tutorials and that makes yours closer to what it is that you want. If you can turn that fear into an interest, automatically all those negative associations start to disappear. And then when you've taken what you need from the lesson, you need to do an ELSA and just let it go. Don't carry around other people's success stories in your head like a stick to beat yourself with. We only have so much headspace and we can either dedicate all of those mental resources to just spiraling into self-doubt or we can put them to better use by creating and planning and dreaming and doing. One other thing to look out for is if you're in a relationship, don't let your other half feed the fire. I've seen this with some of my clients. They will Their partners do this because they love them and they want them to succeed, but it is a total recipe for disaster. You need to tell your partner that you're focusing on not comparing yourself to others and that you don't want them to keep checking in on these people who make you feel threatened. Because if you get into a situation where the two of you are constantly analysing what the competition is doing, then you never really get a break from it and you have someone reinforcing all of those frightening thoughts about your future. So not to get too Pinteresty again, but you really can't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. We're all guilty of only putting our successes on show in the online world, and it's so easy to believe that some people have it way better than you, that everything they touch turns to gold, turns to followers, turns to whatever they want. The truth is that everyone has missteps and flops and cock-ups and disasters. They just maybe don't tweet about them as regularly as they do their successes, so it's easy to miss. So when fear or self-doubt or that sense of failure hit, I have 10 things that I like to try and channel it into. I wrote this list up recently onto my blog, which I will link to in the show notes, and you can find all of that at meandola.co.uk forward slash podcasts. But this is 10 things to do when it feels like you're failing. Number one is to send out more invitations to success. I know that that sounds like total self-help garbage, but what I really mean is put yourself out there some more. So when I start to spiral into hopelessness, I get out my MacBook and I connect and I ask for help and I pitch. So I think of something that would feel like a really, really big win for you, like a contract or a meeting or, or some sort of collaboration, whatever, and then write a killer email explaining why it should happen and just throw that out into the universe. Sometimes it might lead nowhere and that's fine, but then again, sometimes it leads to a new opportunity and you've not really got anything to lose. Two, write it out. So if you could read all the posts in the drafts folder on my blog from the bad days and the sad days and the mad days, you would know me an awful lot better to say the least. Most of those will never ever see the light of day, but just the act of writing it all out is really productive and cathartic. I'm just a big believer in the idea that any skill, especially including things like writing, needs daily practice. So if you can sit down and write it out, not only do you feel better, but you are becoming a more effective communicator as well. And sometimes I do hit publish on those posts. Usually it's after the fact when my emotions have calmed down and I don't feel quite so vulnerable. And then I'm able to turn that into something I can share because I realise other people are probably going through it too. Three, change course. Sometimes when that fear comes, I think it's to tell us something really important, that we've gone off path and maybe we need to correct our course. 
So if something someone else has done has really triggered you to feel threatened, it's a good opportunity to look at what it is you're doing and why it doesn't fill you up, why it doesn't make you feel happy and safe and confident. Four, make big plans. Some of my biggest business leaps have been born from a feeling of competition or fear or urgency. We can all be guilty of just standing on that ledge at the edge of the cliff and looking down and wondering and waiting. And sometimes we need someone or something that gives us that push into the great unknown. It can sound like a cliche, but if you never do anything radically different, we can't really expect anything to radically change. Number five is to set a strategy. So if you've been triggered by seeing something someone else has got, more likes maybe, or more followers, or suddenly landing a big contract, then setting yourself a strategy for how you can achieve it too is the best way to channel that into something positive. Write it down in tiny achievable steps, and then you can get started on the very first one. It feels way better than just sitting there and wallowing, and again, it's actually productive. You can create a map that you can follow step by step, all the way to achieving the goal that it is that you decided you need. Six, make an inspiration board. So that's either literally, or I like to go to Pinterest and just find a whole heap of images and quotes and ideas that make me feel optimistic and excited about whatever it is I'm doing. And then just soak it all in. It's so easy to lose sight of what it is we want to be doing and lose sight of the reason we started doing it in the first place that we were passionate and excited about creating. So getting back to the basics of that and creating that mood board. It's really easy to get so focused on the stats and the measures of success that we forget why we started doing this in the first place, what motivated us, what inspired us, what the creativity felt like. So getting back into that mood via a mood board, hence the name, can really help refocus us. And when we're focused and we know where we're going, we create our best work that feels right for us. Seven, take a break. Sometimes the best way to escape all of those racing, fearful thoughts is just to shut the computer, stick your phone on airplane mode, and then go and do something else entirely. My recommendations would be walks in the wild, binge watching Gilmore Girls on Netflix, uh, playing with a child, or just reading a really nice novel in bed. Do something that's just for you, that's not for Instagram, it's not for the blog. It's just about living real life and forgetting about the work for a while. Eight, get back to creating. So whatever it was that got you into this business, be it photography or writing or painting or crochet or even just a great eye for interiors or baby clothes, whatever it was, go and do that. So not the SEO, not the Facebook ads, not the hashtag lists. Go and do the thing that you love and that drives you and pour all your energy back into that. Whenever we get back to creating, back to the reason we started, we find our passion again and we find our true path. Nine, talk to your business besties. I have found it completely essential to have people who work and think like me so that I can talk to them in times of crisis. If you don't already have a network of people like this, you need to take steps to build one now. They will be your saviors. They will be your best friends. They will be your colleagues. They will be your coffee buddies when you just need to get out of the house. Start building it now so it's there when you need it and when they need you in return as well. If you need someone to talk to right now and you've got nobody, come and tweet at me. I'm at me and Orla because I promise whatever it is you're going through, I've been through it, so have lots of other people and there's so much healing power in hearing that from people and realising you're not alone. 10. Listen to podcasts. So you're already listening to this one, which is an excellent place to start. 
but there are so many others out there as well. I know I've been harping on quite a bit about podcasts lately on my blog, but I think listening to the right one can feel like chatting to a business bestie and kind of having a mentoring session all in one. So if need be, sometimes I download loads of them, I get in my car and I just go and drive until I feel less crazy. And then I stop on my way home and maybe buy a bottle of wine and then get back to work. If you need recommendations for podcasts, I have a blog post with some of my favourites on it and I will link to that in the show notes as well. But on a final note, if you find yourself repeatedly struggling with comparison and with fear, then go and talk to somebody. It could be a mentor, it could be a therapist, it could be a life coach. Depending on how it manifests and how intrusive it is in your daily life, there's all sorts of different people you can go to. Now that might sound kind of excessive or dramatic, but the truth is this, the biggest asset your business has or your creative endeavors have is you and your mindset. And if you're in the wrong headspace and that's holding you back, investing in shedding those fears and all the unhealthy mind traps that come with it can transform your entire future. The single biggest thing I see holding people back when I mentor them is themselves. It's their fear, it's their doubt, and it's their false beliefs about themselves and their abilities. I'd love to know what you do to keep the fear of failure at bay and how you avoid falling into that awful comparison trap. You can tell me on Twitter where I'm at me and Orla, or you can leave me a comment on Instagram or leave me a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, letting me know your thoughts. As always, you'll find show notes and links to everything I've talked about today on my blog at meandorla.co.uk forward slash podcast five because this is episode five. And if you want to join me for my Instagram class starting later this month, remember to go and add your name to the email list right now. It just takes two minutes and it will mean you don't miss out when enrollment goes live on Thursday. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful week. Bye.